hello there. Welcome back. Didn't see you there because uh, we're audio only. This is Decoded. My name is Sydney Lai. And in this season, we are exploring the topics of career development that's going to be relevant for the next generation of developers. And I just want to bring this to your attention, everybody. You ready? Well, the show is brought to you by OutSystems. OutSystems is a developer tool that allows you to build mission-critical software very, very quickly on the enterprise level. And if you want to learn more, definitely come sign up for the two-week coding boot camp. It is absolutely free. They will do remote training. You will learn new skills, maybe reactive web or mobile. Just look it up. Come join the developer community and uh, get some new skills. And I think that's really, really relevant for today's topic, which is how do you get started as a rookie developer? You know, I think the the idea is that we are all junior developers or just junior in in our career path at some point, typically in the in the beginning, or even when you're transitioning careers and in, in, and industries. Right. I think the most common head scratcher is. When you are a junior developer and most companies are hiring developers, excluding juniors, then how do you navigate this catch 22, right? So how do you, how do you find yourself in the position of a developer when all companies are looking for are, you know, seasoned or experienced developers? And I think that when we take a look at what it's like to be a junior developer and navigating through that, this is going to be a quite fun and informative episode. You guys, let's go. All right. So today I am joined by two complete strangers, but I am excited to talk to them today. Katie Mallinson, a full stack developer at HP and Royce Wilmshen, a manager on the engineering team, also from HP. Hey, welcome you both for coming today. Hi, Sydney. It's good to be here. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks, Katie. Thanks, Royce. I'm always really, really excited to talk to a junior dev. I think that when you go through through the process of really finding yourself as a developer, going through that educational process, which is, I mean, honestly different for other developers. There's different types of ways we get to becoming a developer. It's really great to see like a young dev and having that fresh blood and having being able to hear from your perspective. Royce, do you, do you remember your journey as a younger dev? Oh, yeah. It was a while ago, but I do still remember it. I graduated from uh, Georgia Tech a while ago, and uh, it was during the heyday of the mini computer era. And so my first job was doing device drivers for operating systems at Data General in Westboro, Massachusetts. I remember being very excited about that. That's uh, exactly what I wanted to do with my career. And it was a time when companies would hire lots of new developers from colleges and universities. And so not only did I have a great career experience, but I met people that I've had lasting friendships to this day in that job. So yeah, I definitely have fond memories of my transition from college into the work world. Gotcha. Do you remember your first, your first piece of tech, your first computer? What was the doodad that really got you? Well, I'm really going to be showing my age here. <laughs> in high school, I took a programming class, and it was the only computer we had in our high school. And it was a Radio Shack TRS-80, otherwise known as a Trash-80. And we did some very rudimentary, basic programming in that class. We didn't have a computer science teacher or anything like that. It was 
it was my math teacher. She didn't really know that much, so she let us figure it out on our own. But you know, that was a good experience. So that was the one. This was this was like wow. This gosh, the Radio Shack, whatever you know, number you had listed. That that was the one that kind of piqued your interest. Yeah, well, I kind of knew that I wanted to go into computers before that, but it was not as easy back then, right? Because we didn't have smartphones, we didn't have laptops, didn't even exist then. And so to get into it was a little more challenging, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. That's awesome. The gadget that you described kind of reminds me of, or maybe it's just your math teacher, but do you guys remember those TI-89 calculators? Do you guys ever have those in class? Yeah, but all three of us, maybe we're all three different ages, but do you guys remember like you can play games or program or write horrible four-letter words on it? If you guys remember those calculators? Yes. Yeah, I did it on an earlier TI calculator, but yeah, I remember those things. For me, that was one of the first doorways or entryways of being able to play with random games in class. Again, but I think before the smartphone. Katie, how about you? Like, what was your first introduction to a computer or a tech or a gadget? Was there something that uh, really piqued your interest or what really caught your attention? It's a good question. I mean, I remember those calculators. We would play games on those calculators in the middle of class. And so then whenever a teacher was checking on us and asking what we were doing, we'd be like, oh, I'm just plugging stuff into my calculator. <laughs> right. It's seven. The answer seven. Yeah. I think for me, I just kind of grew up around constantly evolving technology. Like I grew up with dial-up internet and now that seems like so long ago, but like, I don't know. It's something that like people only a few years younger than me are like, what's that? But that was something that was normal in my life. And then we went from that to having cell phones that can do just about anything that a regular computer can do. So I think just seeing that constantly evolving technology got me really interested in being a part of that. So that was your like your aha moment, maybe? Yeah, I don't know if there was like an aha moment. I mean, my aha moment probably came around my senior year of high school, actually, when it was I took a computer science class and I really enjoyed it. And I got to see like how I could be a part of creating the technology, I guess. I kind of had this idea I wanted to do some sort of, I guess, engineering, but I didn't really know what, and I kind of still didn't know going into college, but I knew I really enjoyed software development from my comp sci class. So that kind of was a push into this field. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I think that whatever the journey may be, at one point a developer comes across, it could be an aha moment, it could be a new gadget, a line of code, and then or the line of code that brings you closer to the creativity that you want to build. And then that's how you start going down the rabbit hole of Royce, do you happen to remember remember your time or, you know, how, you know, you've you've been working a little bit longer. So, you know, I'm curious to see how like how have you found yourself on this journey through development, management, et cetera? Yeah. So I mentioned that I spent the first six years of my career at Data General doing operating systems development. And then I moved on to some other areas of technology, including database middleware, benchmarking software for a magazine, storage management software. I think one thing I really like about the field is that it's constantly changing, it's evolving, and today is not like yesterday and tomorrow won't be like today. There's always going to be something new to do. And so for people who are technical and like challenges, 
it's a good place to be. It's always interesting. And so what was your first job like, right? Like what was the hiring process like? I, I mean, is this before LinkedIn? I don't even remember when LinkedIn oh, come out, yeah. came out, right? <laughs> it so was it's before like, the internet. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I, well, there you go. Right. So I think, you know, that's, I think the way maybe Katie found a job or the way I found a job was probably different than how you first landed your first tech job. And what was what was the developer scene like back then? Because I think me personally, I came from Silicon Valley. And I think in those days of like 20, maybe 2013 to 2016, you've got the lap pools, the full-on lunches, the ping pong tables. And, and I think that was one concept of how they thought to attract developers. But what was that like for you and really your first dev role? Yeah, my hiring experience was very different than the way we hire now. At Georgia Tech, we had a career center. It was actually a building that had offices where we did on-site interviews. And Data General came to Georgia Tech. They flew hiring managers down to Georgia Tech, and we met in one of those rooms. Fortunately, I just I hit it off with the guy that I was talking to. And by the end of the interview, he said, yeah, we're going to bring you to Westboro, Mass., so that you can talk to other folks. And they flew me up. That went really well. And a couple months later, after I graduated, I, I moved from Atlanta to the Boston area. And that was a huge change for me, too. But we were joking earlier, it was before the internet. The way I found out about these interviews is I saw it on a bulletin board. And things are so different now because you can connect through LinkedIn. You can go on to the hpe.com career site and see all the postings and apply online. There are still career fairs. And in fact, I'll be doing a couple in two weeks at North Carolina State and North Carolina A&T. That'll be even more interesting because everything's remote right now. So it'll all be video-based. But yeah, it was very primitive back in those days, I'll say. <laughs> were, you, were you guys in suits? Did they come in in suits? Did you go in in suits? Oh, yeah, I wore a suit. Katie, did definitely. you interview in like jeans and a t-shirt? Is that oh, how that no. went down? Oh, no, okay. I definitely dressed up. <laughs> now I definitely wear jeans and a t-shirt, but no, I put on a full pantsuit and everything. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, this must just be Silicon Valley. I remember there was this one time we had an interview and this guy came in a suit and tie and we were like, what? We still offered him a job. We did. But it was very, it was culturally shocking. I think it was. This was only a few years ago. But yeah. I also wonder, Katie, when you were going through your process, I mean, I think now people are very more or less clear about how how the hiring process is like, or, or at least, excuse me, the job finding process, right? But was there something that really came as a surprise to you? I think as a junior developer, maybe coming right out of college, was there something like, yo, they didn't tell me about this? Or like, oh, this is not what the internet or Reddit has told me about. When it comes to actually getting the job and starting Yeah, the job? it could be the process of finding one, the recruiting process, you know. Well, one thing with the actual recruiting and stuff was how long the interviews were. Some of the <laughs> companies, you have like an hour-long interview. Some of them, they brought you in for the entire day. So it was just kind of, that was just mentally draining. It was something that I kind of knew I was getting into, but... It didn't make it any more fun. I think starting the job, it was just very different from being in school and having like concrete projects that you work on and concrete deadlines. I mean, we still have that, but we kind of do things more. I don't know. The schedule is just a little bit different. You're not just like working on one thing and 
till that's done and then going to something else. You're kind of taking the work you can get. I don't know if that's the best way to phrase that. I get you. Yeah. yeah I do. You're, you're part, I mean, you're part of a team. Whereas I guess with school, I mean, we kind of formed little teams. <laughs> but you're on a curve. Right. <laughs> but, you know, you kind of all get together and it's like, okay, if we all fail this test, then it's okay. we'll get an A. Yeah. But that's not possible in the workplace, right? You can't right. all fail. You, well, you can't, but it's not good. <laughs> yeah. right. It's not, it's yeah. not right. good. And then, and then, the, then yeah. tech crunch comes after you and stuff like right. that. But no, I think the stakes are different. The flow is different. I feel you on that. I think you really nailed it is understanding this transition of student to your first junior role. And maybe you both can shed some light on this, which is, I think, the most popular catch-22 question. If all these companies are hiring developers, oh, and all these developers need to have a few years of experience, then how does the junior developer ever become a non-junior developer? And then which one comes first, right? And so kind of the double question is, Royce, how do you look for a first-year developer? What do you look for, especially if they don't have that experience and then maybe... Katie also share like, then how do you navigate? It's like, oh, well, we're looking for developers. Oh, wait, maybe not junior developers. Yeah. Yeah. You raise a really good point because I said earlier that when I got hired at Data General, they just, they hired a bunch of kids straight out of school and they provided training. They didn't expect any experience. They just expected that you knew your stuff from school, right? Kind of basic computer science. But I think over my career, that's changed there's definitely an expectation of some real-world experience. And I think that students can get that in a couple different ways. Uh, One is through internships. Internships are extremely valuable, not only because they give you some real-world skills, but it's a good way to get your foot in the door at a company. I know at HPE, we prefer to hire interns, right? They're known commodities, and we've already had some experience with them. The other thing is, and this is kind of more intangible, but students can approach their classes kind of maybe in a more real world kind of way. We talked about group projects. We'll take in a leadership role in that group project and being able to explain later what you did and how it turned out and what the challenges were. Another thing is to find opportunities to build communication skills because That's something that's super important in the workplace. Ironically, this business tends to attract introverts, but you (laughs) can't be a hyper introvert on a software team. You have to be able to communicate with other people. So if you have opportunities while you're in school to work on those skills, it definitely helps. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. Don't be shy. Just let it flow, guys. We can talk <laughs> over each other. We can talk under each other. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, I think what Roy said in looking for people with internships and also people with project experience, I've noticed that a lot, that whenever I was interviewing, they would always ask me about the projects I was working on. And I was really fortunate that my major was very project-oriented And so I had a lot of classes that kind of prepared me to, one, answer questions about the projects I was working on and be able to thoroughly explain them. And just the fact that I had it shows I had some sort of experience working on these things. And then the fact that I had a previous internship helped a lot, I think, because my major was 
computer engineering, which meant I didn't really know as many languages probably as somebody who's actually majoring in computer science, but I had a software internship. And so I had an understanding of how a company kind of functioned and how to actually be a part of the workforce, I guess, as opposed to purely technical understanding and purely the things I've learned from school. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good point, right? Because you, Katie, what you just brought up is also that soft skill aspect, right? And Royce, maybe you've come across this a lot or even Katie amongst your peers. There are times I have friends, they're developers, they're really talented developers, but they have a hard time finding a job, not because they're not talented, but because maybe they're lacking the soft skills or it's awkward going out, knocking on doors and and really having that little bit of extroversion. And Royce, I'm curious, like, what do you look for? It's not just the dev portfolio, right? Because you can pull up a few candidates. They all have a dev portfolio. If it's the dev portfolio, how does one differentiate from one another? For me, I'm really looking for three different things when I'm talking to a student about potentially joining us. One is kind of a deep understanding of what they've done, right? Because you can go to college, you can pass your classes, you can turn in programming assignments and still not really know what you're doing. (laughs) And I know that sounds kind of strange, but modern programming languages and modern technology is so abstracted now that you can get things done without really knowing what's going on underneath. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So I want software developers who do understand that so that if they're, they understand the difference between memory management and Java and C++, something like that. What are the advantages and disadvantages of both? Another thing that I'm looking for is adaptability. As I mentioned earlier, We're in a constantly changing industry. Technology changes so fast. I mean, pretty much once a week, I hear about some open source technology that we should be using that I've never heard of before. And the ability to learn about that and absorb it and to use it is super important. And that's on the technology side. But on the business side, things are changing very quickly too. The thing that you're working on today might not be the thing that you're working on in a month. You know, super important is communication skills. When I'm doing a phone screening or talking to somebody in person, I want it to be a fairly easy conversation. Want somebody that's going to fit in on the team, be able to talk to their peers, somebody that you can have fun with too. So to me, that's a very important skill to have. Katie? Oh, I just kind of wanted to emphasize with the communication skills. I know earlier you kind of mentioned that this field draws in introverts And I am a very introverted person. So like that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to be an extrovert to get the job. I think it definitely took me some time to get used to interviews and stuff and actually be able to hold a conversation with somebody who I felt was judging me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, if you're introverted, then it just kind of takes a little bit of practice and being able to just let yourself be yourself not try too hard to impress. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I was definitely able to have a really good conversation with Royce when we talked just, and also my other coworkers who interviewed me, I feel like we just kind of meshed with our personalities and stuff. And I think that's important for finding the right place to work. Yeah. And it is definitely an interesting mix of personality type because one reason that 
our industry attracts introverts is because it requires a lot of focus, right? And it's you against the machine and trying to find somebody who has those skills and can communicate to humans yeah, yeah. Uh, can be challenging sometimes. I mean, there are plenty of people that, that have yeah. both and you can develop those skills too. Right. Or it's like you communicate with humans through computers who you feel comfortable with. Yeah, right. That's true. We do a lot of that yeah, now yeah. too. With the, the slacks and the zooms. There's this like gossip or, you know, this tale of, oh, like hiring managers kind of get maybe the stereotypical persona of like, oh, maybe a developer could be a little bit introverted or a little bit quirky. I mean, do you guys take that into consideration? Because sometimes I'll have developer friends where I'm like, wow, that person is definitely off their rocker, but they still got the job, you know? Like, is that taken into consideration? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we also work in a, um, in a creative industry. Even though it's highly technical, we're creating things every day and creative people tend to be quirky. Yeah, and that's a good that's thing, true. you know? <laughs> So I enjoy it too. No, I, I completely agree. I think being able to work with quirky individuals are fantastic and it does help with the creative process. With Yeah, I've worked with plenty of quirky people too. It's <laughs> how we all end up in tech. I mean, yeah. speaking of which, it's like, what kind of projects do you guys typically draw yourself towards, right? If it's, again, as we're on the thread of like creatives, like what do you guys typically like to build? What kind of, or what kind of projects typically interest you? Well, HP is a large company, and so usually the projects are coming towards us. <laughs> We're not going out and selecting what we want to work on. But within those big projects, people tend to gravitate towards certain areas. Our team, Katie and my team, we provide application platform services for InfoSight, which is a web portal so that HP customers can monitor their equipment and get predictive analytics. And within this website, basically, you know, there are people who gravitate towards front end work. So they want to do UI, UX type of work that's going to be visible. There are people who only want to do back end work. And so the stuff that's kind of the business logic, that's taking the things from the screen and doing something with it. And then within that, there are people who, and th this isn't unique to HP, but everywhere that kind of, they want a very clear set of tasks and want a kind of a cookbook or a recipe of what to do. And then some people just, it's like, I want to kind of play around and investigate and figure things out. So, I mean, I think there's, there's opportunities for everybody, especially in our team to do those kind of things. Yeah. Katie, I've done some digging on you too. So, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think you've gone from student to HP and, you know, that enterprise level type of build outs. I also saw that you were on your solar car team. Oh yeah. yeah. Yes, very briefly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How did how did that translate? And what are your thoughts on Tesla? <laughs> oh, she could tell you about that. <laughs> I definitely I definitely like Teslas. Most people at the office have a Tesla and have tried to convince me to buy a Tesla. I actually ended up buying a Prius just because I had an older Prius. Very big on efficiency. I mean, that's one reason I like the Tesla, but Prius kind of made more sense for me, plus was a lot cheaper. So yeah, the solar car team, I mean, I was a good experience. I kind of just did it for a summer. It was lots of late nights and kind of... I don't want to talk bad about it. It wasn't like a bad experience, but definitely being run by almost purely by students, <laughs> it wasn't managed as well as a company like this. So a lot of times, 
trying to deliver on things we were working on. Like we were all still kind of learning. I worked on the controller for the battery because I had kind of done a little bit of research with that in a previous research position. So we worked on like kind of a combination of the hardware and software, but it was so much learning that it was hard to actually deliver a functional product. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, most of that, it was just kind of a learning experience and it was a fun way to connect with people. I made a few friends from that team and yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you both had said it perfectly, right? Perfectly in the sense of what you guys are currently working on at HP and then where you came from, right? From from the organization of like, hey, this is all run by students. And Royce, as a manager at HP, is like, yo, HP has been around forever. We got this. Like, this is a smooth operation. And I mean, HP is a beast, right? So I think having gone from, oh, working with everyone at your exact same age and your exact same experience or life experience and then moving into this like well-oiled ship, you're like, hold up, I see a difference. This is why we have diversity on teams and this is how we get stuff done, right? Like that, I think that couldn't be more clear. And Royce, how really this question is for both Royce and Katie, like how do you make that transition, right? What is that transition like from from really the, not so much the skill set really, but but kind of like, the expectation of building, the expectation of, sure, maybe even coding, but how, do, how does that work, right? Are you talking about the transition from the academic world into the workplace or even beyond that to sort of adapting to the workplace and the team or both, I guess? <laughs> I think in my brain, it was both. I actually maybe don't see a difference, but what do what do I know? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I, th- I think there is a slight difference in that going from the academic world to the workplace, especially the first time, there are a lot of things that are different. You can still come into a new team as an experienced professional and have to make that transition to a new yeah. company or a new product or new technologies. On the management side, the most important thing to help students in their transition is to have good mentors, especially in today's world. It's not that there isn't any training, but it's not like it was when I first started. There were training classes. I got sent to a training class on how to do C programming. They're going to assume that you either learn that in college or that you can find a tutorial on the internet to learn Java or Go or Scala or whatever. And so it's less about learning the technology, but learning about the company, learning about the team, learning about the product. And so a mentor is super important. Katie can tell you more about her transition experience and mentoring as she had a couple of good mentors. Yeah, I had one mentor was kind of assigned to me, but he's in another state. So he was actually really good with helping me get familiar with the company and the ins and outs of how everything works, all of the technology that I needed to learn how to use. And then one of my coworkers, he just kind of, I guess, took me under his wing without any prompting and just would pull me aside and say like, we're going to go through this code and we're going to pair program and we're going to do this. And he really helped me actually learn the coding environments and help me get familiar with like the different languages because we use about 5 million different languages and I knew (laughs) two, (laughs) two or three. Yeah. Getting adjusted. I mean, I think 
I'm still learning. I'm in no way fully adjusted to the whole environment yet, but I think it's a just a constant learning process. And it, yeah, it definitely helps to have people who are willing to help you through that and kind of give you a little bit of guidance on even just where to look to learn some of these things and what the best resources are. I will say what, probably one of the hardest parts of transitioning from college to the workplace is having a consistent sleep schedule. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It was very difficult <laughs> for me to get to about 2 or 3 p.m. I would usually take a nap when I was in school and I couldn't do that at the office, unfortunately. So I had to go from like getting four hours at night and then a few during the day to actually sleeping throughout the That's night. so funny. I completely forgot about those kinds of schedules. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Th that's one thing I think we all miss in the workplace is the gaps in your schedule that you have when you're in college, when you can go find a couch in the student union and right or the or the grass lawn, <laughs> you know, just sleeping on the grass. Yeah, right. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah. <laughs> find your little secret spots, and then you get angry if you find anybody in them. <laughs> oh, I remember I used to go to the mechanical engineering building to go play Sims on my phone because for some reason those lounges <laughs> were always empty and there was a moment in time where I can just lie on the couch and yeah, play with my phone. Yeah. That, that was, it was a horrible story, but like that was a, it was a treasured moment, a treasured <laughs> moment of peace and serenity. No, I definitely get that. There was a lounge work area in the electrical engineering building where I would just go and there was usually a table that was empty and it had these chairs that were fairly comfy and I would just lay between the two and pass out for about an hour. <laughs> but yeah, so right. definitely at the beginning, there were so many times where I would just, it would get to be three o'clock and I don't know, I would just try really hard not to fall asleep at my desk. Fortunately, we have all the free caffeine you could want yeah. in the office when we were That's there. Very yes. true. Yeah. I had reduced my caffeine intake by the end of the semester and then I got to the workplace and I was back to having four or five cups of coffee. Oh my gosh. It was so easy to just go get more. And it's just, it's, it's fuel. You just got to keep, you got to keep going. And I think also, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's kind of like endurance because even even with classes, right? Maybe the longest class, look, if it's like once a week, your longest class is maybe three hours. But there'll be days where you're just like, oh, I've got meetings like back to back to back. And you're just like, let's keep going. And and I, I think that that's, that's definitely true when you are transitioning into this new way. I mean, honestly, this new way of being a developer, right? No longer a developer, I guess, in a traditional academic sense, right? Like textbooks and whatnot. But but in the sense of like, of course, you are always learning on your job. And Royce, what do you think is some of the differences that you really see in what new developers or young developers really struggle with and, and maybe more seasoned developers? Like what do they struggle with? And what's, what's kind of the difference between those two? I think with, with new developers, it really comes down to delivering code in the real world, right? especially in experience with DevOps systems and processes, because I know when I was in school, well, a lot of this stuff didn't exist, but very, very little exposure to software development processes and tools to do that stuff, you know, other than a compiler and a, a linker. And so when you get into the workplace, now you have to understand things like Jenkins and how build systems work. And we use Jira 
and check-ins and pull requests and code reviews and all of that kind of stuff. And programmers in college just don't have to deal with all of that kind of infrastructure <laughs> around their work. You know, another thing that I think is new is working on distributed teams. My team is distributed across San Jose, California, and over Massachusetts and here in the RTP area of North Carolina. And so there are people you're going to work with that you rarely or never meet face-to-face. And you're going to do it all on Zoom or phone calls. And so that's different because when you're in college, you know, even a team project, we're getting together in the library and talking face-to-face. And then one more thing is, uh, and Katie actually touched on this earlier, is that getting used to ambiguity. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and in the academic world, you start the class, you have a syllabus, these are your projects, these are when they're due, here's what you have to deliver. It doesn't work like that in, the, uh, in business. You know, things are constantly changing and sometimes it's not even always clear exactly what's the best thing to do for any given problem. It takes a little while to work it out. Yeah, so I think those are all the big challenges for new developers. And for seasoned developers, some of that is the same. When you move from one company to another, you have to learn all their systems and processes. Maybe another thing for a seasoned developer would be if you've been in the same role for a while, becoming a little stale and having to get excited about what you do. So that's maybe the time for a change. That's a really good point. I mean, I think with that being said, it really also comes down to when you are a new developer or a more seasoned developer, your experiences, your perspective, the way you come at work is just, you show up sometimes differently. You you have different perspective of of how to really accelerate or really how to focus or even what to focus on. And really the takeaway thought, at least on this end, is Katie, knowing what you know now, right? Still a junior dev. I mean, you've just joined HP, you know, within the past few months. Even if you have another friend, another junior dev, what would be kind of that like main takeaway message of like, hey, you're also a junior dev. This is something to keep in mind because I didn't think about this until until I joined, until this happened. I mean, I think there's a bunch of things, just small things that you kind of have to get used to. Definitely having to interact with people purely over Zoom and email and all that is definitely very different from school where almost everything is face-to-face. And so being able to know how to reach out. I think probably if I could go back to maybe less at the beginning of working, but to the beginning of this whole pandemic when we transitioned online, is don't be so hesitant to reach out for help. I think that was definitely a little bit overwhelming was I had to actually make the effort to talk to people as opposed to before where I saw a lot of them every day. But even when we were were in the office, there were people who were in different states and that stuff. So kind of make a point to have conversations with them and get to know people outside of your team, people outside of your work area. Just take the time to socialize and get to know people. It kind of broadens your perspective in the workplace because it really helps you get an understanding of what's going on with the whole company as opposed to what's going on with your little project that you're working on. Not that it's little, but like. (laughs) No, I get it. I mean, I think you've both really laid out this journey of what it's really like to 
be that junior developer and what it's really like to go find and mentor and guide that junior developer, right? And I I really want to appreciate you both today for just sharing that experience, sharing that insight. And it's, you know, maybe it's both nostalgic for Royce and I, and also just, it is crazy to see how fast the workplace is changing in regards to how do you recruit? How do you retain? How do you mentor that first role as a developer and really what to keep in mind as a developer? So Royce and Katie, thank you so much again for joining us today. And yeah, definitely appreciate your insights. Thanks, Sydney. It was fun. Yeah, thanks. Everybody, welcome back to Decoded. Again, my name is Sydney Lai, and I really want to appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode, to share your time with me. I know you can be listening to anything right now. Can it be Backstreet Boys? It could be Billie Eilish. I don't know. But you've decided to share that time with me, and I really appreciate that. What would be really, really awesome, if you can, please, go to that subscribe button, click on it. Because when you do, it really helps our podcast get found by an audience similar to you who wants to have this kind of information that may be relevant to them. I think with that being said, definitely come check back uh, next week on our episode. I really enjoyed having this conversation of rookie year. I really enjoy talking to early, early junior devs. It's really, really fun and just nostalgic to think about how their career has gone and how your career has gone as well, right? So it's, it's fun to look back. Join us again. Talk to you soon.